get situated, I do want to mention real quick that you're probably going to notice that I have this bright pink, not just pink, but sparkly iPad cover, and I just want to say that it's not mine, it's my wife's, all right? So I know, I know if I was in the audience, I'd get distracted and not be able to pay attention, so thought I'd say that. All right, um, so first of all, too, I, I want to thank you guys for all praying for my family and I. If you've heard that, we had COVID for the last couple of weeks, and so we were uh, quarantining the last 10 days, and uh, we're all about uh, pretty good. Uh, we're all recovered and healthy. Uh, we actually still don't have our taste and smell fully back yet. Uh, but I, st- I told my wife that if we can have it back by Thanksgiving, like, it's all good, right? We'll survive. So thank you for your prayers. I really appreciate it. Okay, so we're going to continue with our holy series, right? And, um, I mean, whoever came up with the title, I don't know who a part of our staff came up with holy, but this is really creative, right? The fact that it alludes to the fact that our spirituality, our relationship with God, consists of a bunch of different things, right? But when you think about this, and kind of this has been the theme picture of our, of our series here, kind of the iceberg thing, right? Where it's only a tip that you can see. And there's so much to us that I feel like we can kind of bury and kind of pick and choose what we want people to see. Whether that's at work or our friends and family or even coming to church. That we kind of put on what we want people to see instead of being our real selves. And when we do that, it really hinders everything that God wants us to be. And the title of chapter 2, so if you did get the book of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality... The title of chapter 2 is called, Know Yourself That You May Know God. And no matter how you feel about this topic, the fact that our goal, right, is to get closer and deeper to God. So whether you feel excited about this topic or you're, not, uh, you're less excited about the topic, the fact that the end goal is to get deeper to God, we can get all behind that, right? And so I'm definitely excited about that. And I'll be the first to say, guys, like, man, this chapter, like, as far as emotions and getting in touch with yourself, like, that's a weakness of mine. Um, I, I feel like I'm not an emotional person. I feel like if you're maybe a Laker fan or a Raider fan, you're probably more in touch with your emotions. Um, but that's not me. I feel like this is a weakness of mine. Um, and uh, But again, it's to get closer to God. And I feel like I can appreciate the fact that we're doing this together, that I'm not alone. And so um, I can be excited about that. Amen. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you, God, for this time, Lord, to uh, be together. God, thank you for just your grace, God, that um, you allow us to be everything that you created us to be. And that means, God, all the ugliness, all the messiness, God, everything that that makes us us, God, um, we thank you for that. Because it helps us see how much you love us. It helps us see how patient you are with us, how much grace you have for us, God. Um, I really pray, God, that you just be with us now. Help us to feel your presence, God. Please guide me and lead me the words that you want me to say. Uh, we thank you, God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, I'm gonna, I was contemplating showing this picture. Um, I asked my wife if I, should, if I should show it, but she told me not to, but I'm going to go ahead and do it, okay? And if you were like, okay, when you see the picture and you're wondering, like, what's that on my head? It's my hair. So you're actually going to see soy sauce with hair, all right? Okay, so that's, that's my yearbook picture, all right? And, and they, they got the picture wrong in so many ways. Like, my whole yearbook, everyone had a face, like the seniors anyway, had a face shot. And so I was the only one that was zoomed out. And so I already have a small head that, uh, as, as it is. And so all my friends called me Shirkin Head, like one of those little 
small heads, right? But I'm showing this because I'm a teacher by trade, and every year in the beginning of the school year, we take school pictures. So it's for their lanyard, and it goes into the yearbook. But that day, like, all the kids are, like, freaking out. Like, there's no kid that, like, is looking, well, there's about two kids that I, I think I heard this year that actually was looking forward to it. They liked their picture. But everyone else is, like, freaking out. Like, they don't want to show their picture when I give them the lanyard because it's, like, right away through a machine. So I give them right away, and they're, like, telling me not to show anybody. So I give it upside down and stuff like that. But they're, like, freaked out about this, right? And when I was thinking about that, like, at a very early age, we kind of see already what we don't like about ourselves, how we fall short. We're not this enough. We're not that enough. And all that stuff goes through our head. And what's so cool this year with my class is that we get to teach a homeroom class. And in that homeroom class, we don't really teach any academics, but we do get to teach life skills. So we talk about success traits. We talk about successful habits, how to deal with bullying, stress, organization, all that stuff. And then we even get the freedom to add whatever we'd like to add. And so this year I was talking to the kids about embracing their individuality embracing their uniqueness, and that it's okay not to fit in all the time to these different groups, that it's okay to be yourself, and it's okay to be different. And I I start to talk to them about how everyone in this world is different. And I was looking up, there's actually a hundred, and he was talking about all these numbers, I'm going to give you guys some more numbers, but there was 107 billion people that's ever existed on this earth, in the past and now. And every single person has a different fingerprint, Every single person has a different earlobe formation. And you can just kind of see their eyes just get bigger, right? And I'm telling them that, and I kind of give them that, this, um, this gauge where, okay, a hundred, just one billion. If you tried to count to a billion, it'd take you 32 years. So that's just one billion. And there's been 107 billion people that's lived on this earth. And the fact that there's only one you, right? There's only one Samaya. There's only one Janet. There's never going to be another person like you. And I don't necessarily say in front of my class, God, but we know exactly what God is doing, right? We're special and we're unique. And I'm bringing this up because I feel like to be able to have the courage to kind of dig a little bit deeper and see all that ugliness and messiness and the different things that we're going to encounter as we get to know ourselves, we have to be comfortable with the fact that God made us special and unique. God gets one chance with us. God gets one chance. And so I have two goals today. The first goal here is to embrace how God made you. Embrace that you're special and unique. That it's okay to be different. The second point is here is to start and begin this journey with us. Again, maybe you've been hesitant to start. Maybe you haven't got the book yet, but I'm starting this journey as well with you. Amen? All right, so the title lesson today is Know You, Know God. Simply put, Know You, Know God. So my first point here is Know You. So the author, if you take a look at the book, often uses this, this term, true self. And I couldn't find like an outright definition of this term, but he does give a lot of examples of what keeps us from being our true self. And so there's going to be two um, kind of sections to this first point. We're going to talk about emotions and then pressures and expectations. So let's talk about emotions real quick. Simply put, emotions are challenging to figure out, right? But one thing that's extremely clear is that we're made to be emotional beings. If you take a look at the scripture in Galatians 5, one that we're all familiar with, 
But take a look at all the different emotions that we can feel, right? Bless you. You got hatred, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, envy. Right? Those are all the emotions that we can feel that draw us away from God. And then it says here, some of the good emotions that lead us to God that are fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, and gentleness. And this is just the tip of the iceberg, right? There's a lot of different emotions that we can feel. But I think the important thing is, is that if we're going to follow Christ, we have to be able to kind of get to a place where we, we feel the emotions that we're feeling in the situation, embrace it, and then have the maturity to make a godly decision. And I'm not trying to pretend that this is a simple thing. Obviously, emotions are super complex. But I want to kind of share, I want to clear something up with emotions. I think, and this is just my opinion, I think in the past as a church culture, like we've kind of given this emotion a negative connotation, right? Like if you're too emotional, then you're kind of unstable and you can't really trust your emotions because they go up and down and around, right? And if we're labeled too emotional, we're kind of looked like this guy. Fantana. Ron, are you okay? The man put it back, sir. Now, breathe, Ron. Breathe. The man on the motorcycle. What did the bad man do? The motorcycle on the bridge. I hit him with a burrito. Ron. He took him with his butt and he kicked him. That's what he did. Someone punted him? No, wait. Wait, let me say something. Let me say something. <laughs> What? <laughs> I I don't under I didn't understand a one word you said. Ron, are you okay? Ron. <laughs> Ron, what, where are you? I'm in a glass case of emotion. <laughs> That's like the greatest line, right? I'm a glass case of emotions. Right, so sometimes that can be our perspective, though, of someone that's too emotional. And we don't want to be that, right? But the whole perspective of that, uh, of seeing that, of seeing emotions like that can guide us to dismissing emotions altogether. And I wish to challenge that viewpoint today. That knowing and creating a space for your emotions is part of our humanity and how God created us. That we're not all just critical thinking and we're not all emotions, but together that leads us to being more godly. And I was reminded of um, a situation a, a couple years, or not a couple years ago, but in the past, where I feel like I've had this unhealthy um, view of emotions. I remember telling one of my roommates that was known to be in touch with his emotions, and basically the situation was happening within my family where my brother and my dad were just in these intense, uh, heated arguments, and I would even, I witnessed a couple of them, and it was really bothering me. It was really stirring things in my heart, and I, I didn't really know what to do. And I remember telling my roommate, he said, bro, just like feel the pain, like let it hurt and go to God with it. And when I, when I, when I heard that, I was like, no, man, I'm like, I'm not going to like sit around on the couch and like just feel hurt or feel defeated. Like tell, encourage me, like help me to move on kind of thing. Right. And I remember telling another brother the same thing. And I told him what my roommate told me. And he's like, yeah, no, you got to move on, man. Like, it's all good. Like God's going to take care of it. And as I look back at that, I'm just like, wow, like, my view on emotions are so skewed and unhealthy. And I think that we need to see the danger of denying pain and loss because it keeps us from knowing God more intimately and letting God into those areas of our lives. But in view of embracing emotions, I want us to consider a character in the Bible. 
So I was thinking about Jesus, right? Maybe we can talk about Jesus. But you, you think about the different ways that he shows emotion in the Bible, right? So Jesus wept when Lazarus died. But then what did he do? He raised him from the dead, right? Another one, he's in Gethsemane and you see his full humanity. He's in sorrow and he's in trouble. But then he commits to going to the cross. And then, like, you think about flipping the tables over, right, at the temple courts. But that's like a true example of zeal. And I'm just like, man, I cannot connect with that. Like, each one of those instances, God handles, uh, Jesus handles his emotions perfectly. And so, like, man, I don't know if you guys disconnect with that, but I couldn't connect with that. And so I want to take a look at a character in the Bible that I feel like we can connect with. Peter's our guy, right? The Apostle Peter. And so we're going to take a look at a couple of scriptures with Peter here. We won't read these first ones, but just kind of reference it. Matthew 14, chapter 28, this is where um, uh, Jesus is walking on water, and then Peter um, responds with faith, right, initially. So he starts to walk on the water, but then he begins to sink, because doubt creeps in, and fear creeps in. And I feel like that's kind of us, right? We can get into situations where we're feeling faithful, you know, we want to respond in a godly way, but then when challenges come, our emotions take over. There's another one, Matthew 16, chapter 21. Peter here, he gets rebuked by Jesus. And Jesus actually calls him Satan, right? And he kind of responds um, gung-holy. And then, but the, what's interesting about this verse is that the verse before that, Peter is getting lifted up for saying that Jesus is the Messiah and he's the one true God. But then you can just see, right, the emotions back and forth. And we, we kind of sometimes get in those situations as well. But here's the scripture that I want to take a look at. You can flip over your Bibles or look at the screen here. Matthew chapter 26, 69 through 75. It says here, Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus. Of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you are talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word that Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. You know, we know the story perfectly well, right? Peter responds to what he's feeling in the moment. He's going on raw emotion. I mean, think about that situation for a second. I'm sure he's feeling fear. He's feeling the pressure of all the outside noise, insecurity. I'm sure he's feeling a lot of pride there as well. And then he just goes outside just to weep. And not just weep, but weep bitterly, it says. I mean, he's feeling all these emotions at one instance. Talk about being in an emotional situation, right? And when I look at this verse, I think there's two things that we can learn in terms of, of being holy. I think the first thing is that we see Peter kind of just caved into the pressure and expectations around him. And I think we can deal with pressure and expectations as well, right? Whether it's indirectly or directly. I mean, that could be at work. It can be, again, the friends and people around you. Um, even here at church. 
some of the expectations that we can have of other people. And, um, you know, and I, I don't think it's necessarily, obviously, the dreams and goals that people have for us, right? But it's the pressure that we can put on ourselves and perform. And, and you think about, okay, where does that even come from, right? Like, there's these unspoken expectations in our minds that we have to act and be a certain way. And I love what the author says in chapter 2. The author mentions three main things. The three questions that we always kind of subconsciously think in our mind. Am I lovable? Am I good enough? And is God going to be enough? And I think we have to kind of remind ourselves all the time, hey, that no, that we are good enough, that we are lovable, that God is going to be enough. And I'm not saying that's going to be easy. And again, it's a journey that we all have to take to make sure that we're, we're, we're drawing closer to God in these emotions um, and that it's part of the experience with God. Second thing here, like Peter, we act, we can act on emotions and feelings and, and just blow it like he did. And I think it's extremely healthy for us to, to read and be reminded of these verses to see and understand God's grace. Because we know that that's not the end of the story, right? In John 21, we'll read this in verse 15. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. And what I love about this is the fact that, okay, Jesus reinstates Peter, and he still gives him a role. He still has a purpose for Peter, right? A huge one at that. And we know that he asks Peter three times, the same way that uh, Peter denied Jesus three times. And that's not a coincidence. Like, the Bible is full of connections. And I think part of that is for Peter to see, but also for the readers to see, to connect with the fact that, okay, we blow it, but God still has a plan and a purpose for our lives. That when we get in that emotional state and we mess up, God still takes us in. And I hope that this gives us comfort in embracing our emotions, and it's part of who we are, and again, experiencing God. It gives us that space to be emotional. One question that I want you guys to ask yourself, think of one specific way that you give into expectations of others rather than being faithful to what God has for you. Think of one specific way that you give into expectations of others rather than being faithful to what God has for you. Okay, so to reiterate, one of the main uh, goals of the chapter, like I said, was knowing yourself. And so the first part, we looked at emotions. The second part, we're going to take a look at the importance of looking inward and knowing ourselves. Take a look at these scriptures here. Lamentations 340. Let's examine our ways and test them. And let us return to the Lord. Psalm 119, 59 through 60. I considered my ways and have turned my steps to your statutes. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. And lastly, Matthew 7, 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plague in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clear, clearly to remove the speck of your brother's eye. 
And so all these verses allude to the importance of examining and knowing ourselves well in order to, be, to live a, ple- um, a life that's pleasing to God. And there are plenty of tools and resources that we can use and have at our, at our disposal. And the book is obviously just another tool for us to use. And one of, the, one of the tools that I want to actually promote, and I know that, again, we have the book and there's three of them and things like that, but, I mean, I think this tool is amazing. So I'm sure a lot of you have heard of the Enneagram. I'm actually a type 3. My wife is a type 6. But if you haven't taken the test, like, take this test. The personality test is pretty amazing. And it's really accurate as well, some of the things that they talk about. And so there's nine different ones, but um, if you have time, please take that test. It's really cool. And there's a bunch of tools that come with that. But I want to share a situation that um, happened not too long ago that um, kind of revealed why it's so important to know yourself. And so uh, this past summer, my wife and I go to Mexico for the first time. And um, we're on a vacation. It's our anniversary. We book some uh, tours and stuff like that. We're there for a week. Um, so we get there, and there's this thing called the Shark Tank that I didn't really know about. And I'll tell you why it's called the Shark Tank in a bit. But you get there, and people are just calling your name. Hey, like, we have your name on our list. Like, come over here. Right. And all these people are shouting our names like, hey, come over here because we're trying to look for a ride to the hotel. So we go over there and they like offer a shot of tequila. And I look to the next uh, to the side of me. They're taking tequila shots. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, no, it's okay. And so they're they're selling us all this stuff. Basically, they kind of give us this spill. And we're just like, hey, where's our ride? Right. But she kind of goes through like 10 minutes of like trying to sell us stuff. And so she's like, yeah, your ride's over there. So we leave that spot. We go on, and then there's another guy who's like, hey, no, you went to the wrong person. Like, we have your name on the list. Come with us. And so we're like, oh, my gosh, where's our ride, man? So we follow them, and then my, my wife has some street smarts. She's like, hey, let me see our name. And, she could, and he couldn't show us. So we're like, no, man, we're getting out of here. So we go out of the, uh, the airport, and then um, we, get to our, yeah, we go to the airport. We get to the outside of the area, and then um, there's our, our driver. And he's like, oh, those are just timeshare people, so don't worry about them, right? But that's the shark tank. And so we finally get to our hotel room, and we get there. Dinner is not good. Like, we were kind of upset that the dinner was, wasn't good. And then, mind you, on top of that, this is our first time leaving our baby girl. And so I'm okay because, like, I know I have to go to work the next month, so I'm fine. But my wife is kind of, like, you know, feeling it, right? So there's that. So we get there, and then um, basically we need a voucher uh, to get back to the airport after the hotel when our vacation is done. So the guy calls me, right, and he says, hey, you want to take care of your voucher now? I was like, okay. So I go to the lobby. We take care of it. He's writing the voucher, and he's telling me, he's basically he's telling me, hey, did you book any tours? I said, yeah, I booked some tours. Now, can you give me the confirmation number? I'm like, okay, I already experienced the Shark Tank. I'm like, I'm not really trusting this guy, right? Like, I know, I'm sure you guys wouldn't give it to him, too. So I, I, I basically kept telling him, like, I don't want to give it to you, but he kept trying to, like, ask me to give it to him. And so I leave there, and he's, like, disappointed. He's kind of upset. And he texts me later. This is our second day there. He texts me later and says, hey, like, I want you to have fun, but if you get in trouble, don't call me because I'm not going to help you like you didn't help me. On the text, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, so I show my wife that, right, on top of everything that's already happening. And she's just, like, kind of losing it at this point, right? But for me, I'm like, no, let's just try We paid for it already. Let's try to make the best of the situation. She's kind of freaking out a little bit. Okay, a couple more things. The story isn't done. So um, we booked massages because we want some massages, right? And then uh, we also book our COVID test, which is extremely important because that's going to help us to get back to the States, right? And it's time sensitive. So we book through the concierge and through the people there. And so we show up to our appointments that day, and we're not on the list. 
And so we're just like, oh, my God. Like, so my wife is freaking out. I want to stay because I want to enjoy I have to go to work the next month, so, like, I want to be here, right? But she's kind of freaking out. So we're talking about it, and we actually booked. This is the second day there. We booked the uh, ticket to go back to the States, right? She talks to her mom. She talks to one of her best friends, and they convince her to stay. And it's just crazy. As I look back on that experience, like, the different ways that we responded to this situation, and so while we're there, she brought an Enneagram book, and we just started reading this book, and we're starting to see kind of, man, like how we deal with situations. And it was so liberating to kind of just see, okay, the reason why she acted the way she did and the reason why I handled the situation that I did. But basically, she needs safety and security. And those two things drive a lot of the decisions that she makes. And so it just was awesome to kind of just connect in that way and know that, okay, this is how my wife handles things. This is how I handle things. Um, and it just helps us to kind of go down with our, I mean, uh, to kind of move further in our relationship and in our marriage, knowing how we need to be there for each other. And so when we discover these things about ourselves, the people that we love, we're able to love them in a way that they feel understood and they feel valued. Here's some of the questions that I think are helpful in knowing who we are. Ask yourself the difficult why questions. Why do I shut down? Right? Why do I deal with, with difficult circumstances the way that I do? Why do I get anxious in certain situations? Why am I flooded with fear about the decision that I have to make? And so one step that I want you guys to take this week is, is, is ask yourself, what step will you take this week to, to take a deeper look into knowing who you are? What step will you take this week to take a deeper look into knowing who you are? I found this pretty cool picture on Facebook. I don't know if you can see the words, but it says, Caution, people can only meet you as deeply as they've met themselves. And I want to just say, guys, it is okay to think about yourself and what you need and to be able to share that so that people can be there for you. Know you, know God. And before I go on to my next point, my next point is going to be a lot shorter. Uh, but for this next, uh, before I go on to that, I want to say that it's totally okay and appropriate to get professional help. Like, if you need help outside of the church, like, that is okay. And that doing so has no bearing whatsoever on how well you're doing spiritually. It is okay to think about you and get the help that you need. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Right? At one time, we all had to be humble. At one time, we all had to be vulnerable to get help and say that, okay, we don't have life figured out, and I need help. And we lift people up for that. And so if people are getting help, the help that they need, man, I lift you up for being vulnerable and having that humility. Remember, the goal of all this is to be healthy spiritually and closer to God. Second point here, know God. Know God. So God feels and lets us know. And I want to take a look at the different verses where God expresses himself emotionally. In Genesis 1, it says, God saw it was good, very good. Genesis 6, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on earth and his heart was deeply troubled. Exodus 20, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, Exodus 20. Isaiah 42, 
For a long time, I've kept silent. I've been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out. I gasp and I pant. Jeremiah 30, the fierce anger of the Lord will not turn back until he fully accomplishes the purposes of his heart. I mean, when you read those, those scriptures consecutively and you can see the emotion that God displays, like he wants us to get it. He wants us to know that this is how we're making him feel, right? We make him feel this way. We make God emotional. Think about that for a second. You know, you think about a relationship. Imagine a relationship where feelings were not acknowledged. Right? What kind of relationship would that be? If you go up there and tell God, just, hey, I'm angry, I'm upset, and he kind of didn't care. On the contrary, God does care, and he cares deeply. You know, when both parties acknowledge and cares for each other's emotions and feelings, that is a healthy relationship. Psalms 51, this is David after he commits murder and commits adultery. And he writes this to God, verse 4. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Verse 10. Created me a pure heart, O God, and renew, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Verse 17. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. You can tell that David took it personally on how his actions affected God. He considered how God felt. And so to know God is to know how he feels. To be connected to what makes him sad, what makes him angry, what makes him jealous. But also what makes him happy, what makes him proud. That's a healthy relationship. Know you, know God. And right now we're going to prepare our hearts for communion. I want you guys to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 14. It says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who should, who should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. For, for the love of Christ compels us. In other words, Christ's love the cross, his grace, it should move us, should make us emotional. And I remember studying the cross for the first time, watching the Passion of the Christ, listening to the medical crucifixion, reading those scriptures, and man, it made me emotional. And I think that's even a big part of why I remember it so vividly. Remember when you started thinking about the cross and the emotions that you felt. And really, just for communion, guys, I want us to kind of just have the opportunity to take some time to just think about the cross and whatever emotions that you feel, go to God with it. Maybe you need to, to, to look at a different verse. Maybe you need to pray. Whatever emotions come up, allow to feel that. Allow it be, to be brought back to that place where you learned about the cross and just meditate. I'm going to play this song as we take communion. Um, I'm going to pray first and you guys can take communion when you hear the song come up. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you, God, for just this time, Lord, to, uh, again, be together, God. And, uh, man, emotions are are tough to uh, navigate. Um, They're deep waters, God. And uh, I know that you gave it to us for a purpose. I know that you allow us to be emotional. Even the raw emotion, God, 
that sometimes causes us to make mistakes, God. But thank you, Lord, that we can look back and, and know, just like Peter, that you still have a purpose and a plan for our lives, God, that we're still loved. Thank you for making us the way that you did, God, because it helps us to see that we need you. God, we thank you for the cross. God, we thank you for the sacrifice, Lord. And I really just pray, God, that whatever emotions come up as we think about the cross, that allows us to draw closer and closer to you. Thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.